Listeners, and welcome aboard Costume Station Zero. I'm Bob Mitch with a very special episode today. Uh, if you're in for the usual costume shop talk, um, this is one you might want to skip because this is what I'd kind of call the Costume Station Zero cutaway episode or addendum to the Gallifrey One. Uh, the only reason I decided to do this is uh, I had a few requests for people who wanted to check out some of our sketches from the Idiot's Lantern show. Uh, and actually, for those who even saw the show uh, this year or the 2013 show, uh, I decided to sort of sample some skits and put them up here for audio uh, listening for your general, I don't know, listening pleasure or help take up your time in your workday or commute. Um, most of these uh, listen pretty well. A few of the gags, of course, are visual, and I highly implore you to check them all out on YouTube. You can see most of them on either my own channel, Bob Mitch, or Scott Sebring's channel. Um, I'll put links up on the actual blog post. But definitely, uh, if you're ever lost, just look them up under the title, and I will preface each one with the title, and you can find them. Uh, the 2014 skits, though, are kind of fresh, not quite up yet. I'm going to probably sample a couple of those later. And we're going to actually open with the opening skit from our 2014 Idiot's Lantern show, uh, quite simply titled Whovians Part Do, which is a follow-up to uh, a Whovians fanboy skit we did in the 2013 show. I would love to put up the 2013 first Whovians skit. Unfortunately, we fought um, uh, the karaoke way too much that year, and the sound isn't really usable, sadly. Uh, it is actually available on YouTube, though, if you wish to look. Just look up Whovians Idiot's Lantern Show, and you can see it and make it out for yourself. But in the meantime, I would say this doesn't really require much uh, preface beyond old school fan versus new school fan, and hilarity ensues. Um, anyways, without further ado, here is the Idiot's Lantern 2014 Whovians Pot Do. <laughs> Styles, but they all relate to our 
wonderful television show, Doctor Who. And uh, there are going to be some, some sketches in here where some of you will say, I don't hold that particular point of view. <laughs> and that's all right. There's something for everybody in this one. So stick with us. We're going to have some fun. Uh, I'm just going to chill out because I got a roommate and he's kind of a putz. He thinks differently than I. And he's, uh, I just don't like to be around him. So I'm going to do some light reading if that's cool with you guys. If I start with some light reading. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about there's it. nothing to talk about. Oh, I think there's something to talk there's about. There's nothing to talk about. Come on, it's been three months. I can't believe you haven't talked about it once. It's not good to bottle this stuff up. I don't know what you mean. The 50th anniversary. You haven't talked about the 50th. You want to talk about the 50th? Oh, yeah. Let's talk about the 50th. <laughs> <laughs> I spent the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who by re-watching every classic episode, including the Tom Baker years twice, because that's what Tom would do. <laughs> I'm talking about the 50th anniversary special with Matt Smith. Because I tell you, I thought that was a beautiful celebration of the history of the show. <laughs> well, you, over there, you haven't said one word about it. I got two words for you. Not. Enough. <laughs> Alright, let it go. Not enough. Fifty years of Doctor Who, and they can't get the classics in there? They did get them in there. Oh, that's right. Because 30 seconds of stock footage on teeny bits of the screen, that's not at all disrespectful to their legacy, is it? Yeah! It is! <laughs> Tom was in it. It's what Tom would do! Right, you, know <laughs> <laughs> you are right. And Tom's appearance was the beacon of light that it always is. It's that appearance alone that earned Day of the Doctor its spot on my DVD. Blu-ray and VHS show. <laughs> Still watching VHS? Tom Baker must always exist on VHS. <laughs> it's a format deader than Amy Rory. Oh, this, oh, no, no. <laughs> Don't talk about that which you do not understand. Come <laughs> on. I saw you trope. Hey, Tiberius and sister. <laughs> Tiberius is a sister? Yeah, and I got dibs. <laughs> Fine, look. This 50th problem, man. You How? think there was enough. You think those, uh, the little roundels they had was enough. You think that, that having Cole Hill was enough. But there wasn't enough. Not enough. Not enough roundels. <laughs> Wait, not enough. Okay, what would you have been happy with? Would you have been happy if they took every surviving classic actor, stuck them on a conveyor belt, ran them around the screen for 90 minutes? Would that have made you happy? I'm not. I, I did not. I, I, yes! Dude, 50th anniversary special had enough in it to satisfy both classic and Doctor Who fans. Okay? There were so many things looking forward to the future. 
not just bad, okay? They had new things. They had the war doctor, right? They had the saving of Gallifrey from certain fate, all right? They had the salvation of the doctor from restoring the planet Gallifrey to the universe. Nah, man, no. You had a cheap retcon imitation doctor because they couldn't get Eccleston to show up. <laughs> you had a nonsensical alien invasion which slaps in the face of the Zygons, which I cherish. And you had a complete undermining of years of character development by totally disregarding any major consequence by rewriting the timeline. That's your great fifth removal. Man, that's it. You know, the alternate timeline factor is precisely why the 2009 Star Trek reboot is highly illogical. <laughs> <laughs> Not now, Tiberius's sister, please. <laughs> But if you want to talk about why River Song is really Romana 3, give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> Was that when she watches Doctor Who? Not relevant. I've made my case. <laughs> Look, okay, alright. What about the elephant? What? Who was the great curator? The fourth doctor, obviously. Or a future retired version of the Doctor re-wearing the Force Space. <laughs> or a future retired guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know how insane he was saying? You can't just make shit up to fit your viewpoint. <laughs> <laughs> it was in the dialogue. The crazy dialogue filtered through the amazing brain of Tom Baker. Even <laughs> <laughs> he said it doesn't matter. <laughs> Who knows, eh? Who knows? <laughs> Fourth Doctor. Classic Tom Baker. Okay, I can't believe you live in a fantasy land and I'm in reality here. If he was the fourth Doctor, how do you explain why he's so old? How do you explain the white hair? I don't know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> I saw his radiant, curly, brown hair. <laughs> you, you didn't see the retirement home sweater he was wearing? <laughs> no, I saw, I saw the scarf, man. I saw the, the long, full-winged scarf. I saw it in the scarf. I saw it, man. What about the cane he had in his hand? In his hand was a bag of jelly babies. <laughs> My favorite part was when he offered Matt Smith a jelly baby. I don't know why you didn't see that, because I saw it! You know, I, we probably shouldn't have gone. Yeah, can we, can we talk about something else I don't like? <laughs> honey, honey, uh, we can hold that thought. We'll come back to it later, maybe with a therapist. <laughs> How about the other elephant in there? Time of the Doctor. Because there are parts of Time of the Doctor that I truly hate. <laughs> I knew this was going to come up. And I want to state right now... It was the worst Christmas special ever! Yes! <laughs> it was not the worst episode ever made. <laughs> Let's call it a draw. <laughs>
pretty terrible. You're lucky you're pretty. <laughs> I'm glad you brought this up, because over the past few years, the, deci the decisions made by RTD and, and Moffat, they've brought me to a decision of my own. No more. <laughs> no more? I will watch Doctor Who. No more. <laughs> you don't mean that. I mean every syllable! Yes. Both. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is what Tom would do. Oh, I have seven seasons of deep space now. <laughs> 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 Not now, the pain is too great. Give the man space, he needs time. Yes, time and space, I need it. <laughs> It's not that bad. It's not that bad. Think of all those hours and hours of VHS. Think about the hours and hours of Tom. He's been very good to me. That's right, that's right. Hey, what about greener pastures, man? We're moving on. Peter Capaldi's coming. Forgot about Capaldi. That awesome little tease we got of him in the special? Oh, it was a delight. And genuinely scary. Yeah, scary, wild and crazy eyes just like... Just like Tom! <laughs> You're right! I'm back, baby! Yes! <laughs> see what the ball is Oh, you had to worry, good bro. <laughs> I also had the Blu-rays for Next Generation to start with. Oh, but we gotta start on season three because the first two sides. It's alright, it's alright, Tiberius' sister. You can call off the away team. And I was at the edge! But Trevor, Trevor pulled me back. Oh. Yeah, yeah, sure. It's cool. It's not. No, I feel bad. You think she'll go out with me? Yeah, sure. <laughs> it wouldn't work out though. What do you mean? Goovians, Trekkies, girl like that, you could not ask to choose between Nemo and Baker. <gasps> Nemo! Disaster. <laughs> right, I don't know what I was thinking. Galloper stands. Whovians for life! What? <laughs> That was the opening to our 2014 Idiot's Lantern show. Kevin Kittredge, Kevin Copa, and Valerie Perez were the actors. Did a fine job, I might say. Uh, for those who didn't listen to the Gallifrey One podcast, the Bob Fernell thing was an in-joke uh, on the Gallifrey program, at least online. Uh, they kept crediting the Idiot's Lantern to a Bob Fernell, and I never got an explanation as to why, and uh, things weren't corrected. So we just decided, uh, for those who cared, to make a joke out of it. And there you have it. Anyway, uh, that one is sadly not on YouTube yet, uh, but I will uh, update when it is. In the meantime, uh, we're going to get in the Wayback Machine, and we're going to check out um, some of the earlier Masquerade entries that we did, which is what we were doing before the Idiot's Lantern kind of became a show. Uh, our first skit we actually did was in the 2008 Masquerade, um, a Seventh Doctor meets Second Doctor sketch that was quite good, actually, especially considering I think we threw it together in the 30 or 40 minutes before the show. Uh, but it was quite good, and uh, unfortunately uh, was only briefly up on Google Video, uh, hopefully to return one day. I'm not really sure what to say about that. But in the meantime, the first uh, proper skit we're probably known for is in the 
2009 Masquerade. Uh, it was the penultimate skit that won the Judge's Choice Award called Retirement of a Time Lord, uh, where all of the doctors meet to wish David Tennant a fond farewell uh, with a little cameo from the soon-to-be 11th Doctor, Matt Smith, who had just been announced um, about two months before. So, um, yeah, you can see this one on YouTube. Um, just look up Retirement of a Time Lord, and you will find it and hopefully find some hilarity. In the meantime, here's the audio of that skit back from 
Oh, please, don't tell us how this person is. Still trying to tinker with the TARDIS deterioration device. Well, yes, but don't give him any hints. He hates that. <laughs> I don't care how many times you stirred with the neutrino stirring stick, you've turned my carrot juice into carrot juice, carrot juice, carrot juice! <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I forget, never ever eat anything they ever prepare. <clears throat> now, our persona runs the cricket team. Right! So there's ten of us now, right? Yes, yes, yes. Interesting, interesting. Just one player shy. We could do practice, though. Uh, even halves. So, three, four, eight, and you will join me on Team Alpha. Oh, brilliant. I get to play cricket with my favorite dog. And one, two, six, and nine will be Team Beta. I'll check the playing field. Wait, what about seven? Doesn't he get chosen? No, no coordination, poor fellow. He never joins us. We're all nine there. Well, aside from cricket, he broods and sulks mostly. <laughs> I've missed you all, chat. How's life been treating you since absorbing that time vortex, huh? I'm lousy, thanks. I've just been through a time war. <laughs> the only one of us cool enough to have a northern accent. <laughs> Stupid eggs! Stop <laughs> this, I'm gonna go have some chips. Gross! <laughs> five minutes, special sick! Oh. <laughs> well, you remember being me, you know, yo yo tricks, have a regulated journey, baby. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yes, Look who I found! The 11th player for our match. What? Matt Smith? <laughs> Ignite for shortest screen time ever, died before you even appeared. You died in a terrible hair-bombing accident, didn't you? <laughs> Poison gas! And you didn't have your celery, did you? Oh, wait, no, 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 let me guess. The band's crucified you for being too young. <laughs> Don't worry. Retirement of a Time Lord, which I thought had a pretty awesome cast and was a good time. A special shout out to Scott Sebring as the first Doctor, Kevin Coppa as our 10th Doctor Incarnate, and of course, Simon Russell, who sadly is no longer with us as the 9th Doctor. I always say he kind of stole the show myself. There was an added joke there that our friend Sarah Falk um, played the 11th Doctor, so the comment about her not being a woman had a bit of a double meaning. Um, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit and uh, jump to... Um, not the 2010 masquerade, but the 2011 masquerade to the Monster Society of Evil, which basically is all of the Doctor Who villains gathering around sort of uh, AA meeting style to discuss, of course, various issues and how to kill the Doctor. Um, this is one that uh, some people didn't care for, but, you know, I thought it's pretty solid. But I think it's pretty listenable, and uh, we'll give it a whirl right now. So here it is, the Monster Society of Evil. <laughs> Ha 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 ha! 
<clears throat> Thank you for all your obedient attendance to another meeting of the Monster Society of Evil. I'm sure you all heard my pitch-perfect diabolical laughter just now. I'm hosting a seminar on sinister laughs and snorts of derision next Thursday. There's even a PowerPoint. Trust me, it will be deliciously evil. And speaking of delicious, I hope you're all enjoying our newly provided donuts and coffee I've arranged, courtesy of Happiness Patrol Catering. Candyman approved, these treats are lethally unhealthy, high in calories, and deep-fried entirely of evil. Enjoy. Oh, and in case anyone cares, the Zygons are out chasing their Loch Ness monster again. The last of the Jagoroth was feeling too time-splinted today to show up, and the Daleks are listening in via Scaro Skype. Exterminate! Right! On to business, my minions! <laughs> I mean, my colleagues. <laughs> now, on to the new recruits. We've had a fellow robotic companion join us recently, and I'd like to introduce you all. <laughs> Relax, everyone. As you can see, he is not the usual meddlesome tin dog, but in fact, the canine from the Inferno universe. He is logical, cruel, and programmed entirely of... evil. I like him already. Love the goatee. Now on to the three new applicants. I have their cover letters here, which I will read aloud. Dear Monster Society of Evil, I am the Valyard, and you may better know me as the amalgamation of the darker nature of the Doctor. I'm also an experienced galactic prosecution attorney at law. My card is attached below. <sighs> okay, hold your horses there, Popplewick. I'm afraid lawyers are too evil, even for us. Rejected! Next! Applicant number two writes, Dear monstrously evil buffoons, I am the Dream Lord. If you do not accept my application, know that I can do terrible things to my enemies, like make them sleep and stuff. Sleep. Uh-huh. Well, I'm afraid that just does not cut our malevolent mustard. You are rejected. Bring in the last applicant. Dear Master, I shall obey you in all things. <laughs> I like this guy. <clears throat> I'm just a guy in a sack, but I hypnotize easily, wear any uniform smartly, and I love to shoot at things. I even proofread ultimatums. In short, I would make a fantastic henchman. Yours hopefully, Rusty. No. Wait, Russ T. Davies. P.S. Yay, go team. Excellent. Well, let's give all of these guys one last chance and see how they pass the companion scream test. Most disappointing. What do you think, K9? Insufficient data, Master. Uh, helpful as always, aren't you, K9? Now, before we dispose of them, we have a more important elimination to plan. Namely, our favorite monthly topic 
how to destroy the Doctor. Now, dropping him, shooting him, poisoning him, irradiating him, it's all been done and it doesn't work in the long run. Also, that lousy Pandorica plan backfired big time. I say we nip this in the bud, folks. I say we use my TARDIS, go back in time, find his very first incarnation, and utterly annihilate him, along with his remaining selves in one swoop. Now, I have set ahead to have him brought here, and he should be arriving any moment. <laughs> Cyberman, strike this portion from the record. I want no evidence. Dead. Exterminate! Oh, please stop it, both of you. Catchphrases are simply not quality evil. Doctor, we have you in our clutches now. Oh, no, you imbecile! I told you to get the Doctor, not Doctor Who! Oh, this is quite embarrassing. And, might I add, not very evil. The Doctor must die! Your weapons won't work on him. He's not THE Doctor, not a Time Lord, and not even Cannon. <laughs> As such, he's immune to our universe. He doesn't even drive the right TARDIS. This is just... Well, just a bummer. Not even an evil bummer. Just a plain bummer. Anyone up to take a vote on how this day can get any worse? Blast it all! How do you keep doing this? I mean, foiled again? This is like the 23rd time now! It's getting ridiculous! Well, you forget one thing, Doctors. This Auton arm is powered by the Nestine Consciousness. As your ninth incarnation already knows, it is self-powered and can fly around this room while throttling all of you in seconds. Seconds, I say! Goodbye! Goodbye forever! I really hate those autons. Very well, I surrender. I won't even justify this lame victory with a curse you, but I will return. I always return. Oh, and everyone else, after your prison breaks, remember same time next month. Because no one has heard the last of the Monster Society. Of evil, yes, we know. Oh, curse you, canine. And that was the Monster Society of Evil. You can look that one up on YouTube and catch all the visual gags. Basically, um, big shout out to Wally Wingert, who provided the voice of the master. Uh, but everyone did a pretty fine job on that one. It was a pretty big cast. It might have been the biggest one we had, actually, all once on stage. Uh, the... Um, Guy in a sack joke was actually more of an in-gag I used to do with Simon. He used to always talk about guy in a sack to refer to some of the cheap monsters on Doctor Who. So that was sort of a shout-out to him. Uh, anyway, uh, moving on, I'm going to skip again to the 2012 Masquerade. We actually had a few skits in that one. Uh, and I'm going to give you the double whammy, 2012 and 2013, of the Cyberman Android skit, which was um, actually, uh, it won uh, Best Presentation, so uh, kudos to those guys. Malachi Keller, CJ DeAngelis, and Jay Bloom, they played uh, the different 
different variations of the Cybermen in sitcom fashion. So um, I'll let you listen to both versions. There's the follow-up in 2013, which involved a weeping angel, a Cyberman, and a Vok robot. That's because we didn't have access to all the same Cybermen suits that year. And it's sadly... Um, Audio-wise, the only thing I can post from the 2013 Idiot's Lantern show, because, of course, it was pre-recorded. So, anyways, without further ado, here is Androids, parts one and two. Androids, everybody needs good androids. This fall on ABC... The laughs don't stop with the new situational and science fictional comedy, Androids. This is a family portrait of three generations of Cybermen, all living together under one roof. This incompatible trio trying to run the family business of universal domination, as well as the business of just being a family. You won't want to miss a single deletion. <laughs> Be here when teenage Cyberman Danny gets a lesson in love when he gets caught promising a romantic night of cyber conversion to two ladies on the same night. Cyberman Wilfred finds himself in a pickle when he's up for the big promotion of Cyber Controller, just when his personality gets deleted by accident. Danger, Will Robinson, danger. And in a very special episode that tugs at the heartstrings, after a successful planetary invasion, the Cyber family mourn a unique loss with a funeral for Little Chip's pet, Cyberman. What happens when Cyberman Danny gets the wrong present for his dad? Cold watch and cufflinks? This is one Father's Day he may not survive. What will the family do when that wacky neighbor, the doctor, uploads emotions into the Cyber family circuits? Did I say something wrong? Pardon me for breathing, which I never do anyway, so I don't know why I bothered to say it. I'll go and say it first. Well, I found me, and I have found the way, and it... All right, all right, kill, kill, I won't say it. Androids, Thursdays at 8.30 Eastern, 7.30 Central and Mountain. You'll be elated when the laughs get upgraded. Here on ABC, the place to be. Next time on Androids, three generations of Cybermen. While Cybermen Danny and Chip are out of town on spring break, their later model Cyberman Wilfred finds time for love when he makes a date on a special crossover episode with Three's a Companion. Can Cyberman Wilfred impress his date while keeping his canine allergies under control? This evening may end with a need for a canine Mark IV. Later, see how Cyberman Wilfred gets along on his camping trip getaway with his uncle D84 and his weeping angel niece. Things go awry when D84 only packs corpse markers for fishing lures. Please do not throw hands at me. Then the trio end up in a sticky situation when they find the weeping angel's directions have them fishing on none other than Voga, the planet of gold. How will they get out of this one? Tune in to find out as your laughs get deleted on Androids. Thursdays on ABC. Too. 
And that was Androids, parts one and two. Uh, actually, you know, the other big thing we did in 2013 uh, in the actual masquerade was show off the Zygon costume with a fun little skit Paul Salamoff and I wrote called Let Zygons Be Zygons, which uh, was a lot of fun. Uh, I got to overact as a Zygon, which is not something you get to do every day. Uh, my friend Kevin Kittredge played uh, the Fourth Doctor, and uh, there was some lovely uh, Fourth Doctor audio work by a uh, voice artist that Sarah tracked down named uh, Paul Jones. So uh, shout out to him because he did an amazing job. Uh, other than that, I'm going to also follow up with our other big uh, monster skit that we did in 2012, which was the story of Morbius, which, again, I got to overact as the Morbius monster and uh, sort of do a kid's storybook uh, read-along tape version of uh, Morbius, but from the monster's point of view, of course, as a good guy and uh, done very, um, you know, for, for the younger audience, very rhymed, very uh, storybook. I think it was effective, but it's maybe not as laugh-out-loud funny as the other ones, but they're both entertaining. So without further ado, uh, here is Let Zygons Be Zygons and the story of Morbius. Beneath the bowels of the Lake of Loch Ness, those evil masterminds, the Zygons, are preparing another scheme for world domination and the downfall of the Doctor. Hello, Sarah Jane. Would you like a jelly baby? No. May I conquer enter the TARDIS now? You're acting strange, Sarah. Desperate to get back to South Croydon, or was it Aberdeen? Uh, Aberdeen. I think not. Saigon. <laughs> ah, I see the Calamari twins are back. Shoo, shoo, I don't have time for you two right now. Into the chamber, we must try again. Excellent. How does this one fit? I... I feel naked without my suckers, Broton. Now get to it. Oh, hello, Leela. Got tired of Andred already? Yes, Andred is tired. May I have some clothes, please? I feel rather exposed. Zygon! Doctor, we have you now. We don't have him. Excuse me, uh, speak up, I can't hear you. Maybe you should try talking into your little chest microphone. Again? Again. Ooh, I rather like this one. Just go. Already, these body prints don't grow on trees, you know. Like the rest of our technology? Isn't that the general theme here? Coral, Coral, Coral is the theme. Our plan was foolproof. Maybe I could disguise myself as a scarf and sneak into the TARDIS that way. No. 
You're an idiot. We're out of body prints. I'll have to order the others to step down and put the skeleton back in his cage. It's over. We have you surrounded. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't do this. This is too good. What is the meaning of this? Proton buddy, we're all Zygons. We've been Zygons all this time. We invaded last week. We're just messing with you. That's a good one. You got me. Wait, wait. I'm not a Zygon. And see. This is the story of Morbius. Brought to you by the followers of the Cult of Morbius. You can read along with me in your book. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear Morbius roar. All right, let's begin now. Poor failed Morbius, his glory not to be, for he was stuck in a jar where he could not see. He'd been sent to the dispersion chamber, but was saved by Solon, his friendly neighbor. Solon was deft with his cunning and smarts. He'd saved the best of Morbius's parts, most notably his brain, that mind most glorious, so he could retain and keep the cool of Morbius. After several plans and many a notion, Solon worked and the body was chosen, not by appearance, but by efficiency, strong, agile, and free of deficiency. But those sisters of Karn were displeased and merciless these flame keepers teased with cruel things uttered under their breath, Portlius, Morbius, death, death, death. And turn the page. One day he awoke from a long, stretchful rest when he spotted Sarah, a pretty little guest. Then she heard him and screamed out her lungs. Don't go, he cried. I just want to be chums. Solon quickly returned with a calming shrug, so Morbius thanked him with a great big hug. His friend was too frail for this embrace laborious. Solon just could not stand the hug of Morbius. Then the doctor, that lean, mean bully, a loud ruffian wrapped up all woolly, taunted and prodded him all loud and notorious, which made him depressed with the gloom of Morbius. Then his old pal Kondo, who'd loaned him his arm, stood in his way as if to mean him harm. So Morbius played and wrestled him furious, triumphing happily with the joy of Morbius. <laughs> Turn the page. That doctor returned with hot air and fooey, calling him names like Emperor Chop Suey. He challenged him to any test he could name. What? Mind-bending? The fun Milton Bradley game? Morbius accepted, for his mind was not soft. The battle is won easily, but at what cost? The doctor fell down, his head all o'clocked. Defeated, beaten, he has been death-locked. Then the sisterhood flanked him with torches. Ow! Don't they realize that hot stuff scorches? They incited him to slip and fall flat as a stamp without knowing our hero was a tumbling champ. So Morbius played tricks, rolling down those rocks, getting far away with his pursuers outfoxed. At last our hero stood free and victorious thanks to the wits of the brain of Morbius. Close the book. 
and that was the story of Morbius. You can actually look up both Morbius and Let Zygons Be Zygons on YouTube. Just look them up under Gallifrey One Masquerade or Zygons Be Zygons and Story of Morbius, and you will see the visuals to go along with those. Um, next up, I'm going to take another trip back to 2012 um, for our ending skit, which was exhibition only, uh, which was a fun little thing I whipped together with Ewan Anderson called... The Companion Game, which, of course, was a rip on the dating game. And uh, all things considered, considering some of the uh, um, writing uh, meetings we had on that, I think it came out pretty well. It's a lot of fun. It's basically the uh, second Doctor, Ninth Doctor, and uh, Scaroth, Last of the Jaggeroth become contestants on uh, the dating game. The Eleventh Doctor hosts. Dodo Chaplet is our bachelorette. And uh, Idris is our um, sort of Vanna White game show host. Uh, not sorry, not host, but uh, you know, girl holding up the prize signs. And uh, an added visual gag was um, this took place uh, a few skits after Androids. So we had the Cybermen come on stage and put chairs down for the contestants. And so the uh, there's an actual gag in there we did very last minute where the uh, the Eleventh Doctor decides to plug Androids uh, as if it was some sort of cross network promotion, which they used to do so much back in the day. So that explains that. Anyways, without further ado, here is the 2012 Masquerade: The Companion Game. It's the Companion Game, and now here's your host. Thursdays on ABC. <laughs> now, let's meet our three adventurers. Take it away, Mr. Buddy Boys. Well, Doctor, our first contestant is an exile from another time and another world. He has a taste for stove-fired hats, fur coats, and bow ties. Say hello to adventurer number one. It is a Time War veteran, sometimes called the Oncoming Storm. He's hoping to find a nice blonde girl who's not just another stupid ape. Clap your hands for Adventurer Number Two. Our third contestant is a royal personage from Paris, France. He has an interest in fine dining, fine art, and is a renowned expert of Da Vinci paintings. Well read and well rounded, this man has lived a lifetime enough for ten men. Viewers may know him as Count Scarlioni, his friends call him Skiroff, but we call him Adventurer Number Three. And so this is going to be fabulous already. Now, our companion's been waiting backstage in a soundproof booth. Let's bring her out so she can ask these fine young gents some questions. Magic our companion is a swinging 60s girl from Wimbledon, Planet Earth. She enjoys trilogic games, playing piano, American westerns, and studying different speech accents. She dislikes evil supercomputers, being hypnotized, cheating, and most of all, she hates being ditched by friends who never say goodbye. Say hello to Dodo Chaplin. Right, so you are... We traveled together in the 60s? Right, and the last time we met I was... I don't know. 
old man who ditched me in the middle of London during a war machine invasion. Oh, yes, that dodo. Well, Dodo, you know the rules. Just ask the questions on these cards, set any of these fine jets, and afterwards select the one that you think answered best. Okay? Okay. Hi, guys. Glad to be here. Hope you're all ready. Adventure number three. For our first outing as a team, I get dressed up in my hip new friends that are sure to impress you and the locals we run into. Tell me, who would you wear? For you, Miss Chaplet, I'm changing to my rich silk Japanese kimono, which I acquired in feudal Japan. And I do mean feudal Japan. <laughs> Far out. Adventure number two, same question. I learned we need beat up by the jackets, slacks, and a good jump. You wearing that right now? <laughs> Don't like it. <laughs> I said me good jumper. <laughs> The casual look? I mean, it's cool. Adventure number one. If I choose you, then describe what our typical journey would be like. I have just one word for you. Corridors! <laughs> right on. Okay, adventures two and three. Same question. You want to come with me? <laughs> If you do, I should warn you, you're going to see all sorts of things. <laughs> Flatulent aliens, burping bins, bad wolf, your mum's flat, bad wolf, your boyfriend's flat, bad wolf! And you might accidentally inhale the time vortex. <laughs> it won't be quiet, it won't be safe, and it won't be calm. But I'll tell you what it will be. The truth of a lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> our excursions would begin at my chateau, where I would soon find you. I'd begin with half a dozen escargot of your servant at Ponson, and followed by Chantelet, my own vintage, of course. We would die while admiring my fine collection of Da Vinci paintings. <laughs> Legally. All right, hold on. Hold on. There is something really familiar about you. I, mean, I don't know if it's your shoes or your suit, but, but I do recognize that painting. And I think, I think it's a fake. What? I think it's a fake. Painting and avoided touching my face. 
like? It would be fantastic. <laughs> I couldn't let you touch my face. <laughs> I would do the gentleman thing and kiss your hand. Intriguing. That's questions for all three adventurers. If for some reason you absolutely had to leave me somewhere in a hurry, where would you drop me off? I try to take you wherever you like. I do so hate saying goodbyes. Uh, I just hope you like uh, space stations, moon bases, or, you know, the land of fiction. <laughs> don't be surprised if they're still under siege by those monsters, of course. Look, I don't do domestics. If I say you go home, you go home. Miss <laughs> <laughs> Chapman, until the Jagger operates are saved, I could promise I would never leave your side. We would be together until death. <laughs> Okay, that's settled. I've made my choice. What a holy is. Lay it on, sweet lady. Adventure number three. Excellent choice. Now, before we bring you out, why don't we have you meet the chaps you didn't pick? Adventure number two is a man after my own heart. Well, heart. Well, really, before my heart. <laughs> this is just Christmas. Come meet the How much I've missed that guy. Adventure number one is another familiar face, but a cracking bow tie. I sense you're warm to this cosmic hobo when you meet the Doctor! Okay, so, I'm sorry, which Doctor am I traveling with? Oh, just you wait. I'm sure he's a real champ. Now, before we introduce a happy couple, strange disembodied voice, tell them what they won! Sure thing, Doctor. Our two winners will win a fully restored vintage Type 40 TARDIS with smooth time rotor suspension and 40 desktop beams from coral to fine Corinthian leather. They will be booked in the five-star Paradise Towers Hotel, known for its cutting-edge cleaners and a pool to die for. Finally, they will go on a lavish first-class cruise for two to the Medusa Cascade. Thanks, sexy. <laughs> and they'll also win a year's supply of fish custard! <laughs> now, Dodo, are you ready to meet your lucky adventurer? Yes. Then Let's bring him out! Oh my! Scarra! That's the Jaggerite! Still sporting the uh, cycloptic monoid like I? You handsome devil! Dodo, you must be feeling like a very lucky girl right now. Well, we'll leave those two together. It's a match making heaven. Uh, if heaven was a stage in our hotel. I mean, it helps if you think of all of this as heaven, but not really. So, I'd like to thank all of you for a wonderful and
And that was the companion game, which you can check out on YouTube to see all of the visual gags. That was actually one of the rare ones we were able to do live with uh, live audio uh, for the Masquerade. Uh, that one and uh, Retirement of the Time Lord were actually the two we were uh, sort of allowed to get away with it. Um, the rest were all pre-recorded, which we made work, so it's all good. Um, the next one is another one from our 2014 Idiot's Lantern show. Uh, kind of a personal favorite that Kevin and I sort of co-wrote uh, called Companion Swap. I've actually been wanting to do this kind of skit for quite a while, but we finally sort of cracked it with the right sort of companions and doctors, and uh, and I think it came out quite well. It's pretty funny. So without further ado, uh, here is the Idiot's Lantern 2014 Companion Swap. <laughs> they say, in another man's shoes. To demonstrate, let me first present to you, from 1984, the fifth doctor and his companion, Perry. And from 2006, the tenth doctor and Rose. These doctors are about to switch companions. How will the doctors react? How will the companions react? Let's find out! And now it's time for our companions to say goodbye to our doctors. Wall. Doctor! <laughs> one wall and one universe apart. Shh, shh, it's only for a day, it's only for a day. Uh, Any time now. Just a second. This is how we say goodbye. <laughs> Six 
examine the local quarry. Let's check in with the Tenth Doctor and Perry, where the Tenth Doctor has been shackled by the evil Roddy. There you are, Doctor. Now where's the key so we can set you free? Uh, there isn't one. No key? Then how am I supposed to get you out? Well, come closer. Yeah. Turn, turn. That's it. Closer. <laughs> It's nothing, it's time for tactical slurpy for shackle and locking. Very scientific. Now get over here and kiss me. Are there more urgent things at hand? Look, when I was in the Ronnie's lab, I took the liberty of dousing my wrist with a particular chemical that has a corroding effect on iron, essentially turning it into dust. All I need is a narrow spot produced by adrenaline. Now, the fastest way to adrenaline rush is a kiss. That's pretty convoluted. <laughs> and awfully convenient. I've heard better lines from the jocks at school. It, 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 it's not a lie. Now the Ronnie's coming back. Hurry up. You don't even have to use your tongue. <laughs> DNA contact? Yes! 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 Boy, what? Oh. <laughs> Doctor and Rose has saved the day once again. Take that, you overgrown green what's it? Stay out! Rose, listen, I appreciate the enthusiasm. But that was a weirin larva, or monster as we call it in the trade. When you encounter one of these monsters, your job is to point at it, scream, and then as the credits roll, we move into next week when I come in and save the day. No. You want me to scream for like a whole 30 seconds at some green bubble wrap? You can shout, <laughs> you can yell, but the screaming, the screaming is key. Why can't I rescue you? What? Rescue my doctor all the time, I know a thing or two. Uh, that's not how it works. You ask questions, you say, what's that doctor? Or, how will we ever defeat the Centaurans this time, doctor? Or, what's that doctor? <laughs> Braveheart Rose. Maybe next time I'll let you hold my hat. Come on! <laughs> oh, oh, he got away. I hate him when they get away. That werewolf is gonna get in all sorts of trouble now. I where were you? You were supposed to be my backup. I screamed. You know, to let you know and to do your thing. What? What? Um, Perry, remind me again, uh, why you're here, and uh, what's your skill set again? Find <laughs> me? Right, right, because you helped me defeat the living jungles on Marinus. Nope. You were instrumental at, um, defeating the Kanoi pods at the chase match. Nuh-uh. You knew how to defeat the plant humanoid creatures of Verbalite. God, no. So, basically, you just scream and ask questions. questions. Right. But I'm really good at it. Are you? Hey, what's that over there? Oh, let's go see. I don't see. You seem to spend an awful lot of time in corridors. Oh, you can never underestimate a good corridor. <laughs> you know, they all kind of look the same, and for a space-faring species, they don't seem to have any windows, or they keep them closed all the time. Yeah, I wouldn't look too deep into that. <laughs> I just want to open one up and see the one. No, don't open that window! Because they can't afford it! <laughs> no, the BBC! <laughs> this is the last episode of the season. You open that window, you're 
We can't even afford that black, black, uh, what is that, velvet? And glitter? You open it now, you're gonna see a stagehand holding up the set in one hand and likely smoking a fag in the other with a <laughs> disinterested look on their face, I might add. No, I was told you saved the universe on a kettle and some string, but I didn't think it was literal. <laughs> we make do with what's available. No, doing what you do on so little, it's pretty impressive and kind of hot. No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, whoa, heaven's so fancy! <laughs> Young, so blonde, so beige, and yet so excited. Oh, come on! I could be your grandfather's grandfather's grandfather! I am a grandfather, by the way. Did you know that? I don't care. I just want to be wrapped up in that sweater. I want to feel that long celery against. Not in hand! He doesn't! Well, he never mentioned that to me when we were ten minutes to Belgium. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> so, I suppose you're gonna take one to take a break from all this adventure and see your family? Uh, no. You miss them? I mean, I've got plenty to do with exploring the universe and. I don't get to see my mom every 20 minutes. Yeah, are you sure you don't have to do any laundry or anything? <laughs> There's an enormous wardrobe here, so I have plenty to pick from. So what next? Oh, oh, oh I can I rig up a cell phone with some jiggery pokery and you can call home. Um, what's a cell phone? <laughs> <laughs> there will be no jiggery pokey with me. <laughs> There you have it. Just like that, before you know it, our experiment is over. Both doctors and companions have returned to bring their lives back to normal. Perry, I really enjoyed having you. Could you do me a favor and not tell the previous me about me making passes at you? He's you. Why should it matter? Yeah, well, I kind of look up to him. He's, he's my doctor. <laughs> Exactly as you wanted, but I just want to say I had a genuinely nice time. It stopped being fun, Doctor. <laughs> Good luck with him. I missed you. I missed you. <laughs> Kate, you want to go to this zero room? Zero gravity? Yes. <laughs> Welcome back. Good to be back. Want to see some rocks? Oh God, more than you know. <laughs> has been Companion Swap. And that was Companion Swap, which sadly is currently not on YouTube, but uh, it was quite good. It was quite funny. Uh, we are working on getting a number of highlights, including the the two uh, 2014 skits, Whovians Part 2 and uh, Companion Swap, up on YouTube for those to enjoy. Uh, when it does, I will update accordingly. But for now, hopefully you enjoyed that audio version, uh, just life is sundries tend to get in the way.
We're going to end uh, this little skit extravaganza on a high note with the 2010 Masquerade skit, uh, the Brigadier skit, also known as the Unsung Hero, which was about, uh, well, who else but Brigadier Alistair Gordon Lethbridge-Stewart and um, uh, various doctors and, uh, and nods to his TV appearances and a few sort of made-up appearances he would have with the uh, Doctors 10 and 11 or so we'd like to think. Uh, anyway, it, uh, it was a good skit. It uh, closed the show with a standing ovation. Everybody really loved it, including John Levine, who has played it um, overseas for us and, uh, and hosted it on his website uh, for a time. So thank you again, John. Uh, glad everyone enjoyed it. And uh, here it is one last time before we uh, take you out. <laughs> Throughout the long history of the United Nations Intelligence Task Force, there stands a lone figure whose job is thankless and heroics remain unsung. No, it's not the scientific advisor. We already know enough about him. Shh, no playing, please. I'm narrating here. <clears throat> now then, the real hero is none other than Alistair Gordon Lethbridge Stewart. The Brigadier himself, the one, the only, and the best. Aside from his well-trained corps of unit troops, the Brig needs no companions, except for his mustache and his trusty Browning 9mm pistol. To understand the Brigadier, one must understand his mindset. And no, we don't need to understand his family, his loves, or hopes of dreams. His family is his duty, and that's that. From his view, he is the hero. Sure, he has help from Yates, Miss Shaw, or the Doctor, but he gets the job done. Take, for example, when he was first promoted to Brigadier. A young man coming up in the world. He meets the strange hoboist chap called the Doctor and his companions. And his world is then invaded by none other than those silver giants, the Cybermen. Silver giants in the sewers? No problem for the break. Just need some stiff upper lip and hot lead. Sure, the Brigadier thought that odd doctor might have used some technical mumbo-jumbo, but it merely softened the brutes for his bullets. No matter what the odds, the Brigadier remains determined. And when the Brigadier is determined, he shoots something. Admittedly, it took some getting used to, that new doctor. A tall dandy with frills and cloaks, and no respect whatsoever for proper authority, with all of his reversing polarities and what have you. No dress sense of proper military discipline. It didn't matter whether he faced the Daleks or the Master, a loathsome villain who plums the furthest depths of depravity by taking the glorious military mustache and turning it into a vile and unsightly goatee. Or even the Danes. It didn't matter. Chaps with plungers, chaps with goatees, and yes, even chaps with wings there. Five rounds, rabbit. The villains didn't always succumb to bullets. The guns didn't always work. This frustrated the Brigadier. And when he's frustrated, he shoots something. By the time the Brigadier witnessed the regeneration of the Doctor into his fourth persona, he took it all in stride, knowing the man could wear what face he liked as long as he did his job. That is, staying in the background while he and Sergeant Benton shot or blew up the aliens. But the last straw Alistair would endure is not only the Loch Ness Monster, not only shape-changing psychons, but a giant robot. A giant robot that falls not by the power of the pistol, but by the power of a bucket of goo. A bucket of goo? By the nerve of some robots. Have they no decency? 
They must not be English, to be outgunned by a Bohemian with a mile-long scarf against the pockets. So shortly thereafter, he retired from unit. And this left the Brigadier very sad. And when the Brigadier said, he shoots something. After his encounters with the 5th and 6th Doctor, the Brigadier was called out of retirement by the 7th Doctor to fight Morgane and the Destroyer. Ah, this was more like it. Fate of the world stuff. The Brigadier loved it because he got to wear the uniform and he got to shoot something. Of course, his gun only worked when the Doctor handed him silver bullets. Yeah, get off my world. But it was a hallow victory, since the bullets had to be provided by his ex-scientific advisor. Didn't he understand that he was the hero? Why, the infernal cheek of it all. And imagine being left out of those Christmas incidents, or the Song Taran invasion business with the Atmos cars. This left the Brigadier downright depressed. So depressed, he couldn't even shoot anything. All he could manage was a punch to the air, and even that missed. Then the Brigadier would get a visit from the 10th incarnation of the Doctor. Feeling up for one last hurrah, one last mount against the evil creatures of the world, the Brigadier reaches for his trusty sidearm. A banana? Why yes, there was no mistaking it. This new young skinny Doctor says he put that there because bananas are good. Well, the Brigadier was not amused. I mean, really. Was it even a British banana? What were they fighting? Giant apes? Those Ogron chaps again? This new doctor might have taken up a good exercise regimen with all that running, but he seemed a bit off his rocker. Feeling sorry for the Brigadier, the 11th doctor brings him something he can shoot and be the hero at long last. That's right, his old squirt gun. It was to be used for playtime with children. Children who could learn from him and see him as the hero. The Brigadier was happy, and when he's happy, he... Well, he shoots at him, but with a smile. Nothing ventured, nothing gained, Doctor. And that was The Unsung Hero with Scott Sebring as the Brigadier. Um, it was a pretty awesome skit. I think everyone involved did a very good job. Um, you can look that one up on YouTube under Unsung Hero or Gallifrey One Masquerade 2010. I uh, hope you've uh, enjoyed this, um, or at least uh, been having to indulge letting me enjoy uh, sharing these uh, skits in audio form. We will be working to get the 2014 Idiot's Lantern show or highlights of it up on YouTube soon. Uh, or perhaps another special to include the whole show as audio, maybe, if anybody's interested in that. Please write in and let me know. Otherwise, uh, we'll be back next time with the, our regularly scheduled interviews. Uh, I've got quite a few cool interviews uh, in the can, and we're going to be kind of leaning more superhero style. Um, and uh, I'm going to end up talking to a number of the people at Big Wow, a Big Wow wrap-up podcast. Uh, we had a lovely, lovely time there as usual. And uh, I'll also be talking to uh, Hilly, and H- Hilly and Hannah Hindi of the Hillywood Show about their Doctor Who parody. So uh, some very cool stuff coming up. So stick around and check it out, please. And if you have any further questions or comments, go to CostumeStationZero.com. Please leave me a comment, drop me an email, and let me know, and I'll be happy to get back to you. All right, without further ado, this is Bob Mitch signing off for Costume Station Zero.
Get ready and strap in for a fun-filled Wednesday night of comedy with The Odd Couple 2.0. If you thought a neat freak and his slobby roommate were a mismatch, just wait till you see it with a robotic twist. Felix gets a cyber conversion from Mondas, and Oscar has a crazy candy accident on Terra Alpha. Can these two live together? Can Killer Sweets mix with cybernetic organ replacement? You're about to find out in this mismatched house of hijinks. Will the Cyberman blow his top when he sees his head handles being used as a batter mixer? Will Candyman survive the Cyberman's reaction to his fondant surprise? Tune in Wednesday here on CBS to find out. You'll die laughing!